Amen. All right, if you need a Bible, raise your hand, and Joseph will get you one. If you do have a Bible, Colossians chapter 2 this morning, Colossians chapter 2 this morning. Last week, we did the end of chapter 1 with Mr. Jim Chiswick in the beginning of chapter 2. We're going through the book of Colossians, slow but sure, and growing in it, and a little epistle here in the New Testament. Got to get through the Gospels, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then you'll come to Colossians. It's probably right about in the middle of your New Testament there. So, put my glasses on. Give you time to get there. Colossians chapter 2. It says this, I'm going to start in verse 1, actually, we'll just rewind a little bit. It says this, for I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now thus I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words, for though I am absent in the flesh, and I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Verse 6, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Verse 8, beware lest anyone cheat you or steal from you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. In him you are also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off of the flesh of the body of, excuse me, putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism in which you were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Verse 13, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he is made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Verse 14, having wiped out the hand writing of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So let no one judge you in food or in drink regards to a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Verse 18, again that word, let no one cheat or steal you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen vainly puffed up by his vainly mind and not holding fast and 
now, not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body nourishes and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourself to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. And finally, verse 23, these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. We read the whole chapter. Is everybody okay? Are you all sleeping? Ah, uh, yes. So even if I say everything wrong, I can say you read God's word and you should be blessed. Amen? So, I'm just going to try and be myself, which I hopefully am each week, but I just want to simply teach this to you today. And sometimes we can read a chapter and say, what exactly is it saying? But you have to know the context of the book and then apply it to your life. So Paul, we know, is writing to the Colossian church. He's heard of it from Epaphras. We heard in chapter 1. He's never been to this city. He's realized their reputation of their good faith and their love for one another. He's prayed for them in chapter 1, a prayer that we all went through a couple weeks ago and how we can pray for one another. Then he talks about Jesus, the magnificence of Jesus, that he is the one who's created all things that we see and we don't see, that he's head of the church, and that we are holy because he came to this world and died for us. Last week, we learned of this mystery, this incredible mystery that now God, through the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ lives in us. So he set this, the stage in chapter 1 because he's worried about them. In chapter 2, he tells of this maybe worry that they're going to turn away from this truth that Jesus is preeminent and in him we have all power. So he says very clearly in chapter 2, now I said all those things in chapter 1, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. And specifically, he's talking about false teachers who are telling them that they have to do more to be spiritual. They have to do more to have power. They have to be involved in maybe mysticism, legalism, philosophy, basic principles of this world, mainly if I do more, if I'm more spiritual, then I'll have more power. If I'm more legal, don't mean it in terms of legal, but we think the same thing. If I read my Bible more, I'll be more spiritual, and I'll have more power with God. And if I just kind of like, uh, uh, I'll be, have more power, you know, sometimes... We don't think we think like that, but we do think like that. We think that our power comes from our effort. Our power comes from denying ourselves. Don't tell me you've never thought, well, if I fast for five days, I'll have more of the Lord's power. Or if I do this, I'll have more of the Lord's power. Or if I read the Bible in a week, I'll have more of the Lord's power. Or if I just meditate on him, I'll have more power. But the problem is it's all focused on 
you and what you can do. And in chapter 1, he spent all this time telling you it's all about Jesus because he's combating these people who say, if you do this, then you'll be able to beat sin in your life. If you neglect your body or false humility or impose this religion and have an appearance of being wise, then you'll have this power the false prophets were saying. But he says, it's no value. There's no value in that in beating sin. And yet we still think that today. We try so hard to beat sin and to have power and to have the right attitude and to flow with the Lord because I need more power. Power in the New Testament. Power is about witnessing. Power is about defeating sin. Power is about doing the miraculous. And we want more power, but we're going about it all the wrong way because we think it's about us and our efforts. And Paul is saying, no, 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 no. Be very careful. He hasn't said they've fallen into this. He says, now I say this, anyone should deceive you, not that they have deceived you, but it's coming. He says, not being with you, I do see that you have, in verse 5, good order and steadfastness in your faith. So that's the good news, but he's being proactive, telling them, watch out. People are going to try and convince you with spiritual talk. And this isn't just for Colossae, this is for us today. For us today but the key verse in verse 6 says this as you have received or accepted christ jesus so walk in him amen so i take it almost everyone in here can say i've accepted jesus i've received jesus however you did it i read the prayer i i read a prayer, I prayed a prayer, I got saved 1979, or maybe it was last year, or my parents believe, and I was raised in a Christian home, and it was slow but sure, but I believe I've received him. Amen. I would say that's probably 98% of you, maybe 100% in this room. Correct Amundo? Yeah? So he's saying, well, now as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. This is the big news for us today. It's not about receiving him. It's about walking in him. The word in Greek is treading on new territory. And I would just want to translate it kind of, as you received him, now walk in the power of what you believe. Amen? Um... Walk in the power of what you believe. So I was talking to a friend not long ago who is struggling. No one you know, so don't worry. Don't try and figure it out. It's not your neighbor. And he goes to a counselor, and this friend is talking to the counselor. And the counselor said something really interesting, because there's a battle for sin in all our lives and people's lives. Counselor said that the millennials or the new generation, a huge population of people are turning to Satanism. And you thought, oh, that's interesting. Now, it's not in our country, but I would think fill in the blank, maybe not Satanism, but as I tell the story, the reason being is they are attracted 
to something that would have power. They want to believe in something that has power. And we know that Satan is a counterfeit, and he can offer immediate power, especially the deeper you get into it. But the counselor said the problem is that these young people in this generation are not turning to God because they see no power in the church. And this is statistics. This is truth. This is what they believe. So they're turning to the counterfeit because they see more power in it than they do see in the church or within Christians' lives. You see, overall, people, a lot of people claim to be Christians, but there's no power in their walk with God. And I'm not talking necessarily about the miraculous. I'm not going that way. I'm talking about power to have joy in difficult circumstances. I'm talking about power not to give in to sin. I'm talking about power to say, that person is really different. So in this country, the United States, the young people are looking at the church and saying, there's nothing there for me because it offers me nothing, no power in my life to be different. I thought, that's amazing. Churches become a social club, something we do. And yet God would have it so much more. And here Paul is saying, you've received Jesus Christ. You've accepted Jesus Christ. Now you have power to walk with Jesus Christ. Now you have power to tread on this world and say, I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. But yet we live times defeated lives. We know the forgiveness of God. We know we're forgiven. We know almost the love of God in a way because we've come to accept that. But we don't have the resurrection power to walk to tread in this world as conquerors in Christ Jesus. Is anyone flowing with me today? <laughs> Hello! <laughs> Are you flowing with me today? Maybe not in your life ever, but I would think in my life, plenty. So let me just get personal because it's good. They asked me to be a speaker at Solely Business in May, and they say 70% has to be story and 30% teaching. It's like, what the heck? That's a lot of teaching, a lot of story. Um, but I think stories are good because they bring forth a point. I grew up in the church. A wonderful church. I won't mention which one because then you'll be trying to figure it out. Like you're still trying to figure out who was at the counselor. But anyways, I grew up in the church my whole life. Wonderful. I didn't go to church once a week, twice, three, three times a week went to church. Sometimes I had to stay for choir practice. I didn't sing. I just walked around the church. I grew up in a wonderful tradition of knowing Jesus. But yet, 
I would say so often in my life, I didn't walk in the power of the truth of what God had for me. It was actually the holiness movement. It was an excellent foundation. Not only did I go to church all the time, I then went to a Christian college. And I came up with slogans in my own mind because I grew up in the holiness movement that I would have a relentless pursuit of holy perfection in my life. Even as a teenager, I remember times of fasting and working and listening to sermons and desiring more of God and seeking Him and getting up in the morning. And I wasn't an adult. But yet, in my own effort, it seemed the power was missing to live the sinless life I wanted. I knew the answer. I went to CYC. I had the badges. I got the highest award. And yet there was something missing. I certainly had accepted and received the Lord Jesus Christ in my life, but things somehow became about me and my effort and my ability. Unfortunately, so much of my identity, they became about my spiritual walk. And when I was doing well, I felt great. When I was doing bad, I felt awful. And I met my wonderful wife. And that same attitude continued. I knew the Lord. Walking with Him. And worked in a Christian school. Not only did I go to a Christian college, then I worked in a Christian high school. And guess what I taught all the kids? You got to seek the Lord. You got to work harder. You got to go after Him. Not bad things to preach. Yet in my own life, it seemed at times, again, there was no power. I can remember moments in my life, honestly, one specifically after eight children. Yes, we have a lot of children, if you don't know me. And that can be a little chaotic. They were all under whoop, 10 or 12. And then my wife said, I'm pregnant. And I said, how did that happen? <laughs> Number nine's on the way. Number nine's on the way. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I can remember that day feeling so broken. Sitting on the couch saying, God... I got no juice in the tank for number nine. I got no juice in the tank for the other eight. I can remember it specifically. It was a green couch, corner of our living room. My wife had told me she's pregnant with number nine. And it seemed that day, that afternoon, those other eight kids were the loudest they ever were. And I think I laid on the couch just like this. I don't know if you've ever been at that point where you just say, I've tried so hard to do the right thing. I've worked so hard to do the right thing. And I am completely and utterly powerless in this moment. I am actually saying to myself, I cannot do it. 
And sometimes that happens with one child. Sometimes it can happen with nine child. Sometimes it can happen at work. But I knew in my own ability and my effort, I had absolutely no power. I was completely and utterly empty and broken. Hey, I had received the Lord. Don't tell me I hadn't accepted the Lord. Don't tell me I didn't know the Lord. I was a pastor at that time. To give you another example how this works, I can remember coming here with the promises that God was going to bring revival, and I still believe that, by the way, in Lanark County. I'm so glad each of you are here. I can remember times, God, when is this revival coming? But revival was centered about me and my effort and my ability. And I can remember getting geared up some weeks and saying to myself, this is the week, something's going to happen, and I'm going to get up at 6.30, and I'm going to walk around Perth. And I'm going to walk all around Perth. I'm going to pray every morning before I do anything else. And I would drive here, it would be winter. The problem is it was freezing cold. And I'd get out there, and I can remember thinking there's going to be revival at PDCI, but I just got to pray more. And I'd walk around that high school seven times, I remember the first time I did it, by the fifth lap, I was freezing because it was minus 30, and I could care less what God wanted to do. I wanted to get warm. And God, I'm doing everything. I'm denying self. I'm praying. I'm fasting. I'm asking. And I'm not saying those things are wrong. But where is the power to walk, to tread in victory over what you've said and called for my life. I remember preaching on revival. It seemed in the early days, I preached on revival a lot. And I will again, by the way. And I've told this story before, and I'm like, oh, Saturday night, Saturday, I'm going to spend all day in praying. I'm going to fast all day Saturday for Sunday, and service is going to be just like crazy, and everyone's going to get saved for the 30th time, and the Holy Spirit's going to fall, and this place is going to be blown up. I just have to pray more. The problem was my toilet started to back up. I remember this like yesterday. I've told this story. I'm getting the plunger out. I'm like, who went to the bathroom downstairs? I'm supposed to be praying. Plunging, nothing's working. I'm plunging, plunging, plunging. This is worse than a bomb in the toilet. Something's wrong. It's coming up in the shower. The septic pump blew. So I'm digging the septic pump. By the way, it hasn't happened once, twice, three times. Last time was on my birthday. I was like, ah, happy birthday. I'm down with the blank in a hole. But anyways... I can remember then digging in my septic system when I was supposed to be praying, and God, what about this effort, this revival? And it's almost like he's smiling at me, saying to me, the power to tread and to walk in what you know is not in your effort or your ability. It's not in you denying self. And I'm not saying you shouldn't seek the Lord, but this resurrection power that God has for us is simply in the truth of Jesus Christ. And in Colossians, you have a people who are trying so hard 
And they're going to be tempted even more so to deny self, to be mystical, to be legal, to have more of God. Oh, if I pray all night, I'll have more of God. But the problem again is we're losing sight of where the power is and who it is in. And it is in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of Christ. And that's why this chapter is so beautiful. And in my story, I really believe it's so beautiful. And he says these words, don't be deceived by thinking. It's you and philosophy and your effort and your self-humility and your neglect of the body. You can't defeat sin that way or the indulgence of the flesh. But rather, it's being rooted in verse 7. And in the Greek, being built up in him. In him. Established in the faith. Abounding with thanksgiving. Power comes through the spirit of Jesus Christ. But you need to be rooted in that. You need to be rooted. You need to know it's not about you, but it's about Him. You need to be established and being built up in the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in you. I love that rooted is in the past. Being built up in the Greek is in the present. So I go down into the truth of what God said. That's chapter 1. I go down deep and I hold on to that. That it's all about Christ and his works. But I'm being built up with the fact that he lives in me. That the Holy Spirit is in me. And as I simply abide in him and trust him. Not in what I do, but that, that secure trust and belief. That he works through me in amazing ways as I'm established and confirmed in what he has done, I will superabound in thanksgiving and God's power will flow through me, his resurrection power. You see, the Holy Spirit in the Bible is the power source. And today we don't have to go through some big mystical meeting to have that power change us and flow through us. But what we really have to do is cling to the truth of what he said, be built up in it, submit and abide to that, and allow God to flow through us. In your brokenness, you will empty yourself and Christ and his truth will fill you and then flow through you. Remember one summer, I was going to go on a missions trip. This is in my journey of learning God's power. I was going to go on a missions trip with the soccer team, but I wasn't invited. <laughs> I wanted to invite myself, but I wasn't invited. What were they thinking anyways? I guess I wasn't good enough. How about that? That brought a little brokenness in my life. I had to 
go home and get a job. I didn't have any big mission trip my friends were going on. They were probably better soccer players than me. I remember going home, and I couldn't find the job. My room was in the basement. I'd just gone to an interview. Something happened as I realized I don't have any strength. And the tears just came in my eyes. I think I was 19. I didn't think they were going to hire me. Another interview, another fail. Went down to my room. God, I wasn't good enough for the mission trip. I can't get a job. Who am I? What am I? I remember built a little altar with my dad. Still in the prayer room. You're welcome to use it, by the way sat there and I prayed and I said, Lord, I'm broken. That was for me at that moment. Maybe you've experienced that in other ways. The young man said, in that moment of just confessing my need and saying, God, you are all I have. Jesus, it doesn't matter if I'm good enough for the soccer team or for the job. Help me, I need you. And in that moment, there was a sense of the Holy Spirit coming upon me that I'd never felt before. It wasn't that I wasn't a believer. I truly had accepted and received. But in that moment of brokenness and calling out and simply being rooted and built up in the truth, the Holy Spirit came upon me. And it seemed there was a new power and vibrance and life that I had never experienced before. My prior life in that moment, I'm not going to get an exact to tell you got to be a, a charismatic or whatever, but I knew I was experiencing God in a way I never had, but it wasn't in me working for it. It was in my brokenness, and in my brokenness, I cried out to the one I was rooted in, and he filled me up in a way that I've never been filled before. Have you experienced that power? where it's not about you because you've been stripped and you've been broken and you just simply abide in the truth of Jesus Christ, what he's done, what he's made you, and what he's given you, his Holy Spirit. But it wasn't, oh, come on, cheerleading, parade, self-denial, fasting. It was just brokenness saying, God. You cannot tell me that he is not real. You cannot tell me that his power is not real. I remember after that moment, I felt light. I felt like a kite in the air. Every person I saw for the next two weeks was going to get the gospel. I started singing in the car, and I don't sing well. But all I could think and talk about was Jesus. I started writing letters to all my friends in college. I wrote more letters than that summer I ever wrote before, just encouraging them and exhorting them in Jesus Christ. And get this, I wasn't even trying. It was simply knowing who he was in my brokenness and being filled by him that out of me came a power and fruit that I had never experienced or realized before. 
That's what God has for us. The problem is in our independence in our spiritual life and trying to conquer in our own strength through our spiritual activities, we have no power. But if I'll simply submit and trust what God has said, everything he said, and claim his truth in my brokenness, he will give you what you need and you will shine for him. I'm a little excited. <laughs> so I'll finish with the little object lessons and probably one you've seen before. I found this in my basement. <coughs> it was a lamp at one point. I don't know where the shade is or actually the stand. But anyways, remember these old light bulbs? Now they're those curly ones, right? We're more environmentally. This is so old that it had this. So this must be like 10 years old. Actually, if you saw this little bulb here, it's really dirty too. Bulb dusty. It was in my basement. And this is great, right? But it's got a purpose, and it's to shine and to shed light. But sometimes <coughs> I say, oh, it's not shining. Maybe it's because it's dirty, right? If you saw it, you'd say, oh, it's dirty. So maybe I just clean it up, right? Then I'll get some light out of it. Maybe I just work harder and clean it up because it was dirty, and if I got some spray and water and soap, but the problem is, even if this bulb is perfectly clean and it has no power, it's useless. It does nothing. No matter, you want to go wash this bulb, clean it up, it does nothing on its own unless it's attached to the power source. Is that correct? And that's us. Sometimes we work so hard at cleaning ourselves up. Oh, there's no dirt in my effort. I'm going to clean this up. I'm going to clean this up. I'm going to make this the best light bulb ever. It's useless. I hope it works now. Now that I unscrewed it, I'm like, if this doesn't turn on, this is the worst object lesson ever. <laughs> uh. Oh! This is what God wants of you. You might have seen it, but just think with me. His desire is that you would shine attached to him, the power source. Otherwise, you're useless. doesn't matter how clean you are in your own effort. And some of us are so busy trying to clean up Trying to be the perfect light bulb, but this matters not. That matters the most. You have to be connected to the truth, abiding in Jesus Christ and what he's done for you and that he lives in you, and then you will shine, but it won't be your effort or ability. It is his power to walk and to tread on the enemy and this earth as you've received him, now walk in him. Now shine for him. Oh, we want a book. How? How, Pastor Dan? How? Give me a practical sermon. How do I shine? 
That's not how it works. Because then it's all about you again. And Jesus is saying, listen, I love you. You're forgiven. But don't stop there. That's the beginning of your journey that you've accepted Jesus Christ. He has so much more for you to shine wherever you are. And that's why the Bible says in Acts chapter 1-8, wait for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you, then you will be my witnesses. Not in your effort, but as you wait for me, as you just trust me in your brokenness, I will cause you to shine before people. We don't need another program or another book. We need Jesus. But not only to say we need Jesus, but to desire him in our brokenness and say, God, I have nothing but you. I'm rooted. I'm clinging on to you. Now help me to be built up in that truth, established in it, and you will shine. You will shine. You will shine. But don't hide it under a basket now. Amen. Interesting again. As it says all that, you will abound in thanksgiving because you know it's all about him. And in my experience, when I met him in my basement bedroom, in my brokenness, and his Holy Spirit reminded me, and his truth was there, and I was rooted, and the Holy Spirit's power came upon me, in the truth of who he was. His fruit was incredible. And I was so thankful. Are you thankful this morning for what Jesus is and what he's done? The Greek is that you superabound in thanksgiving, and not just because it's next week. You superabound with thanksgiving. When you have the power of Jesus Christ flowing and operating in your life, when you're attached to that power source, one of the greatest signs is you superabound in thanksgiving. Sometimes we need to do a little mental check. Is every thought negative and complaining? Are you always putting yourself down? Are you living in fear? Are you anxious? Is it always about what you can't do? You need to attach yourself to the power source and you will superabound with thanksgiving. You will superabound. It won't be about you anymore. You'll just be so thankful for Christ and he will flow through you. We're a grumpy people. I'm just going to be honest with you. We're a grumpy people. In the midst of a week, we probably complain way more than we're thankful. And I'll tell you why. Because we're not attached to the power source of who Christ is in our lives. If your first thought is, negative about yourself or other people or you're constantly judging you are not attached to the power source. Amen? It's because it's all about you. 
And how you elevate yourself is put other people down. If you're having trouble trusting the Lord today and you're trying to fulfill it through the world's ways, you are not attached to the power of the Spirit today. No power. You've accepted and received, but it's time to walk and tread in truth. Does it make any sense? Okay. Thank you, Lord, this day for your grace and your goodness. We are a broken people. We are broken people who need you, Jesus. We're not saying we can do anything. I just pray now, Holy Spirit, that you'd come into this place and that you'd encourage your servants. We believe that we certainly have received and accepted your forgiveness and your love, but would you remind us to walk in your truth and not to be foolish, as you would say to the Galatians, having begun in the Spirit in faith, why are you trying to per perfect yourself in the flesh? That's the word. Why are we trying to perfect ourselves in the flesh? Having begun in the Spirit, in Jesus Christ, May we continue trusting, abiding, living, being rooted in, being built up, being established in Jesus. Not only that you're forgiven, but his spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, lives in you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you today. And as you understand and let go of your independence and your ability, he will strengthen you. He will give you power. And that's what we ask for today, Lord. We confess our failure. We submit to you. We let go of the past. We let go of our fear. We let go, we let go, and say, God, come in. Specifically, each one today, what do you need to let go of? Your effort, your false humility, your fear, your anxiousness. Let it go in your brokenness. God, fill us with you and your truth and your love. With your power. That the flesh would have no power over us today. The indulgences of the flesh and sin, which so easily can ensnare us, would have no power over us. But you, Jesus, take all power in us today. Make that prayer your own today. That you are new. And the living God lives. And he is making you holy in your actions to the way he sees you in who you are. Yes. Let me do something a little different. Come and stand up and pray for us that we would be filled with more of Jesus today.
Well, let's have a few people pray for us. We're just so thankful for you. Lord, just you, you, just you. So if you feel comfortable, it's okay if you don't. Maybe just put your hand on the shoulder of the person behind you, beside you. If you're not comfortable, don't do it, but just even in your head. But if you do, it's a relative or a family member. That's really good, right? Just in your heart, pray this to that person. Just put your hand on them. Lord Jesus, in your, in your mind, pray this. Would you strengthen, would you strengthen My friend, my family member, the person who's a part of the body of Christ, would you strengthen them in your love? Just be praying for one another. Would you strengthen them? Would they be plugged into the truth of who you are? Just pray in your own minds as you lay hands on them. Would they be rooted and built up in you, Jesus? Would they be established? May they superabound in thanksgiving. There's something so beautiful when we're praying for one another. Lord, make us a source of light for our community. And the person beside you, may they shine Jesus. May they shine Jesus as they abide in you for your glory. Bless them. Bless them. The power is your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, that you've heard us. And as we pray according to your will, you will answer. Amen. We're going to celebrate communion and go put our roots deeper into Jesus now. Think of him as you celebrate your forgiveness. Dave will sing. The elements are in the back. It's all about Jesus. Let's worship and enjoy him.